Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Hi, I'm Dean, and I've seen every episode of BSG. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I haven't seen any episode of BSG. In this week's episode, we bring you Season 1, Episode 2, titled Water. There are at this moment six G4 detonators missing from the small arms locker on deck 15. What are you telling me for? Munitions go missing. You gotta go tell the master at arms right now. I know Sharon, that. Sharon, you can't screw around with stuff like I, this. I'm not screwing around, okay? The only reason I didn't tell anybody because they're gonna think I'm the one who took them. Well, uh, you know what? You know what? It's not your fault. Someone's obviously setting you up to take the fall for something. That's what it is. I mean, you wake up somewhere and you don't know how you got there or anything. You're drugged or manipulated or who knows what, something. So, what do we do? Because if I report what's happened, I'm going to think I'm a silent agent. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Dean. I'm joined by Matthew. And we are ready to get cracking with Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. The Battlestar Galactica show. <laughs> God, don't we all just love shows from the early 80s? Yeah. That's what we're on to, right? That's what we're doing today. By your command. <laughs> nope, we're doing Water. The episode oh, is whoops. titled Water. Yeah, man. Boy. Weren't you listening at the top of the show? Yeah, you should have watched that. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about it. <laughs> How you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing very good. Just got done with my second viewing of this one. Ooh, Enjoyed it again. Yeah. So just to remind people, I've seen all these. He hasn't. And mm-hmm. he is not even looking ahead at episode titles. He's not looking ahead at episode cast lists. Nothing. nothing. He goes into blackout mode. Yeah. And you've In been between avoiding every watch, spoilers. And I do not watch our episode until the day of our recording. So it is truly a week-to-week thing for me. You did admit that you had one spoiled, but you kept the lid on it until... I did, and it doesn't even matter anymore, so should I go ahead and reveal what, what, I, what I caught? Yes. <laughs> I accidentally, looking at a cast list, which I was just trying to look at, you know, character name and actor name just to get, you know, a clear breakdown of names, but this list did also say who they were, and that really wasn't too big of a deal because it would be like, you know, Edward James Olmos playing Commander Adama, who is, so, you know, this position on the ship. And I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever, that's not too bad. But then on the miniseries, uh, it, it went ahead and said this one guy's name, his role, and then said Cylon. And that Sucks. was the PR guy, the yeah. first Cylon that they dumped back on the, the planet. Doral. And I, yeah. I was like, oh, shit. And I caught that like at the start of the, the second episode. So right. I had that little thing ruined for me. Fortunately, but, it's not a big deal. Nothing no. much happens except that Gaius is right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sort but it of. has served as a fairy tale reminder for me to watch my back and not screw this up and run into spoilers. I hear you. Well, we're going to get right to it today. So what we usually do is, is we have uh, some opening impressions on the episode, which we're going to get to. Then we reveal the answers to some trivia questions. Then we explicate our way through it. We uh, then finish things off with some more trivia questions and some Final thoughts and observations, and that's what we're going to do. So, Matthew, why don't we start with BSG Water? And as soon as you let me let me ask you this: mm-hmm. You fire up Hulu, 
<laughs> Indeed. You click on the little Battlestar Galactica 6 with her red eye. She looks cool, right? Oh, yeah, so good. And then you scroll over and you go, water. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And you <laughs> what are you getting at? <laughs> what, are you, what's, what starts going, water? What do you think immediately when you see the episode title? I it didn't hit me first off, you know. I saw hmm, water. Okay, I guess we're going to be you know dealing with resources, huh? Didn't think too much of that. And then a couple minutes in, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> trivia question about <laughs> resources was one of the fucking answers. And then you even said, oh, you'll see when you see the title for the next right, episode, right? right. So you fuck, you stumped me, you got me. <laughs> it's and hard. You had, to, you had to sprinkle that little bit of that foreshadow of doom in there. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> you're going to realize you're wrong first off. It's hard to stump you. It's hard. These questions are tough to come up with because, you know, listen, I have a tough <laughs> job here, sir, and I just want some respect, okay? It's very hard to watch Battlestar Galactic and talk about it with your friend. It's very demanding. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. I, I can't work like this. <laughs> no, uh, it is a lot of fun. A, B, the questions themselves can be a little tough because you can't spoil too much. You yeah. might hint at some spoilerage that's interesting, and uh, it keeps things fun. It keeps things fun if you haven't seen it before. Uh, you know, it's sad, man. So it's May 3rd, 2016, and one of our listeners... Aaron White has a podcast called Feelin' Film that he just started. And uh, he, I was listening to his show and he said, um, he was just talking about, he was talking to his friend that he does the show with. I think it was on the Pan episode. They talk about the film Pan. Oh, yeah. And they, they were talking about how they're watching Battlestar Galactica reimagined for the first time right now. Oh. And I thought, fuck. If only they would have waited, they could have gone along with this because, you know, this is going to be... It's May 2016 we're recording this, probably dropping this season. We're probably dropping this actual podcast, launching it sometime in December. So if you're listening, it's probably December sometime. So, yeah, crazy. Too bad. I was thinking about that, and I was like, ah, fuck. But I'm curious as to how many of our listeners are going to be into this, but... uh, Really? It's so weird. I mean, it like I I texted you, it's Bader-Meinhof as... Fuck, because even like I think the day after we recorded our first episode, I got a Wendy's, a Wendy's ad on my Facebook feed that was of a Cylon face. And they were like, oh, Wendy's tastes so fracking good. I was like, how do you fucking know that I, how do you know? Oh, there's some creepy algorithm underneath there. Illuminati, black helicopters. Uh, Most likely, most (laughs) likely. Well, let's get right to it. Oh, wait, you know what? So that was the first question I had for you. The second question I had for you was, if you could rate this episode on a scale of one through five on your initial initial gut reaction right hmm. now, before we talk about it, where do you have it sitting? Five is just being like flawless best episode ever. and Five one- is, five, uh, yeah, how about this? You want me to describe it a little? Yeah. Five doesn't necessarily mean the best episode ever. Five okay. is an how about this? Let's do letter grades in school because you can get A's, right? All right. It doesn't mean it's the best fucking thing you've ever written at school or, or turned in, yeah. but it means you did your fucking job very, very well. Go All ahead. Right. Ooh. Then my first gut reaction would probably be, um, are we doing pluses and minuses and all that good shit too? If you need that crutch, you may take it. <laughs> uh, I would say B plus. 
It's a good episode. I really, really liked it. B plus. The, if, to put that in context, the episode right before this we did, 33, I would give that uh, an A plus. So this is a full letter grade less than the episode before it. It is. But as somebody who very much was happy to get a B in school, that is not a bad thing. <laughs> I'm not saying this is a bad episode. B plus, solid episode. Sounds good. Do you have in your mind now the things that you didn't love about it? Uh, more of that's more just a feeling right now. Maybe okay. I can All articulate right. it a little bit as we go. All right. So before we move forward, why don't we get to answering the trivia questions or at least discussing the answers to the trivia questions from last week? Shall mm-hmm. we? Indeed. Indeed. Uh, wasn't looking forward to this. My fucking hot streak's over. I bet the house, bet my kids' college fund all on this. Oh, sad day. Sad day. So the teaser questions for Matthew last week were, one, Ty and Adama have to take this precaution in next week's episode. That's Ty and Adama have to take precautions in next week's episode, which would mean this episode. Mm -hmm. So you watched it, and you realized that you picked incorrectly. Here were the answers. A, extended security presence on the CIC. B, resource rationing, which is the correct answer. Yep. C, anti-rad distribution to all galactic crew members. Or D, space combat training for civilian pilots. Good answer, by the way. Good pick. (laughs) That's what I went with. I was between the rations or the space combat, and I was like, well, you know, based off of this episode, 33, it seems like space combat's priority right now. Let's go ahead and focus on that, right? Right. That was my logic. Yeah, that's all right. (laughs) That's all right. You answer the you were you've been correct. You got the flashlight. You missed the bonus question on the flashlight. You got the Cylon skin job, skin job murders another Cylon in defense, and you got the bonus on that, which was Boomer. Uh, right. So the bonus question this week was: Starbucks loses a card game to this unexpected contender, and the answers were Lee, Gaius, Roslyn, or Boxy. You mm-hmm. picked Roslyn very was, confidently. Very confidently, it was Gaius. <laughs> <laughs> Uh shit. Great yep. scene, though. Great scene. It is a good scene. With guys and Starbuck. So that's okay. <laughs> you took a little digger. That's no biggie. We got a... Back. I can make it right again. I can make it right again. I could have been somebody. So at the end <laughs> of this episode, what we will do is we will make sure to, uh, to ask you some more questions about the upcoming episode. And uh, mm. I do it a little differently this time. I, it's like a, the question format is a little different going to be a little bit of a different challenge but i'm looking forward to uh, how you do young man Ooh, a chance to redeem myself a chance to come back <laughs> i need it this first scene is powerful is it not super mysterious let's set the stage we have a close-up of dripping water wet hands a wet flight suit and a wet boomer mm-hmm. drenched mm-hmm. boomer oh yeah Looking basically like she did uh, when she was on Caprica again with Hilo. When she last, you know, the last we saw of her was our her new, I don't know, well, her new Cylon form or maybe just a different one uh, back down on Caprica trying to rescue Hilo and getting soaked in the rain. And it looks like she came just out of that and right to the, the board of, of Battlestar. So is that what your thoughts were? Oh, yeah. You can't help it. I, I'm sitting here going... So wait, is this the one who was on the surface of Caprica? Right. And now she's back here. Why else would she be in full flight suit uniform and, and dripping wet? It, it, it would, if she were placed there uh, by the Cylons, you know, they would have changed her or it would made her look different. I don't know. There, it is such a mystery. 
But a mystery resolved at this point, correct? Do you resolved? Do you, do you understand what what is going on now? I have had the benefit of seeing this episode many times, and I've <laughs> seen the series before, and you haven't. And what I'm going to tell you does not spoil anything. Okay, I suppose. But her being soaking wet, do you not? Do you? What do you think at this point is the reason why I, she soaked? My- theory by the end of the episode especially at the end of the second watch was that they had okay delve into this shit all right hold on okay um they must have had this cylon copy of boomer on the planet maybe even the one that comes across Hilo. like maybe when when she comes across Hilo at the end of last episode that that this is her and then they swap her out with a different copy at some point and get her back on board the ship that's that's as best as I can I can figure. Otherwise, I have no idea. So you don't think now? Remember when we saw Hilo abandoned in the miniseries? Not abandoned, but he gave up his seat yes. for the brightest mind in the galaxy. <laughs> yep. And she lifted off with that kid Boxy. Yes. So they went back with Gaius to the Galactica. Mm-hmm. You don't think that this is that person? Wait. Oh. Oh. oh I see what you mean. Um. Hmm. Do you think there's a, a so what? How many Sharons do you think you've seen at this point? Well, we know for sure two. There was one, the original that we see on board the ship when we're very first introduced to the character. It's her, and then there's at least the one other that we see among the other Cylon copies when she's like, "Oh, I'll get the information or whatever." Okay, so we know for sure there's two. There could be obviously a lot more. I'm trying to wrap my head around your theory, so let me see if I got yeah. it right. <laughs> You're okay. thinking that there could be two boomers on the Galactica right now and one down with Hilo, correct? Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if two aboard the ship. I That possibility did kind of go through my brain while watching this. Of like, are there more aboard the ship that are like hiding amongst things and people? Um, my, my, like I would say, my, the main thing on my theory is that the only reason in my mind they would show us her and her wet flight suit is that that is the one who was physically on the planet with Hilo. Like this is not just a copy of the, of that Sharon. This is the same Sharon, her same clothes when she was down there on the planet. So Um, (laughs) I'm pulling you into the weeds and I'm really sorry. (laughs) So, so wait a second. You remember that when Hilo was left on Caprica, that Boomer went back to the back there, right? Uh, back to Battlestar. Back to Battlestar. You you think that her wetness is related to the fact that it was rain, but we, we never saw her in the rain. Yeah. Yeah, we did. At the end of the last episode, um, when she gets picked up, I mean, when Boomer gets picked up by A. Sharon, A, I mean, oh my God, I'm fucking up the name so bad. <laughs> when Hilo gets picked up by A. Boomer, mm-hmm. uh, and then we see Six and the Centurion watching them, she's down there in the rain with him. Right. You think that's the one that's on the Galactica now? I guess. <laughs> That's, and I know it sounds stupid as shit, but I'm like, but what else, What other explanation is there? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Are you having a revelation? I think I'm having an epiphany. Jesus Christ, I hope so. <laughs> not only, wow, not only did I get the trivia questions wrong and fuck that all up, I totally did not piece this together until right now. So listeners, wow. I hope you're along for the dumbass this ride. This is fucking a blast. She was in the water tank. Jesus Christ, amen. Jesus fucking Christ. hell. <laughs> Oh boy, this show is so fun It makes me feel like a fucking idiot 
Oh, that is the fucking best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> All right, like, well, I'm, I'm going to go commit sure. seppuku. I hope you, you and Jessica enjoy covering the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> now you understand why I was so confused. <laughs> because I did not. I was like, how else should she be wet? What other reason could there ever have been? How, how could she, she have been be wet? sopping wet in an episode titled Water, where <laughs> water is blown out into space? Obviously, she was on the reign of a planet 10 light years away. Excellent. It's a good thing I have seen this because I'd be like, wait a second. I'm not, now I'm not sure, right? You would have been fucking pulling me off into the weeds with you. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. How All about right. that? Well, you learned something new right here on the podcast, live, as we <laughs> that speak. That I have a single-digit IQ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think Gaius is losing his job to Matthew anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Advisor to the president. It's All a safe right. job. <laughs> now that we've pieced together that goddamn mystery. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so she's in the tool room with a bag inside of which is her uniform, an explosive detonator, and, of course, G4, uh, G4 explosive detonators. Mm-hmm. And some nice towels. Some courtesy towels. Yeah, a couple of towelies. <laughs> oh, so, geez. before we continue, we should probably talk about, holy shit, man, does she have to breathe? Is that why Ooh. she was in her flight suit? Because she used it for oxygen to, to get down there to put the explosives? Hmm. Damn. I didn't even. Care. I guess that. I guess that's a possibility. Yeah, because they they attach their helmets to those, right? They do. Yep. She was in her flight suit. Yeah, and they're there for they have emergency O two uh, O two scrubbers attached, and in, in, uh, in case they have to eject, they have, have air. So yeah. maybe that's why she was in the flight suit when she did it. Mm. All right. Or then. maybe not. Does she need to breathe? Who knows? Who knows? All still a mystery. Well, she's shocked at this discovery. At least she appears to be right. She is. She's totally shocked, uh, which is jumping more to, you know, I was wondering for a while that, you know, okay, these Cylon sleeper agents, when they get activated, are they like, you know, it's as if they're a normal person and they have no idea they are. And then all of a sudden a, uh, a switch gets flipped and their fucking shark eyes roll over and they just do their mission and there's no looking back. But it seems like they they can flip back and forth between different states of like, being a Cylon operative uh, executing a mission and then going right back to being a person which ha- having no memory of being a Cylon operative, um, mm. which is pretty shocking as well. Like I thought it was a – as soon as that switch is turned, they might just become full bore an operative and they're no longer a person and they now understand they're a Cylon and that's that. and That's who they are. But it seems like it's not that uh, easy. I think this requires speculation and I want you to speculate a little and I will prompt. And I, <laughs> I've been burned already, Dean. Uh, I've been burned. And I want. And I want you to. Uh, I want you to. I want to. I want to prompt you along. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring you into any kind of spoiler territory. But think about the design of the sleeper agent. Let's do. Mm-hmm. Let's do. A, let's do a works a workbook exercise. <laughs> okay. So a sleeper agent. You just told me she seems genuinely confused as to her whereabouts. Whereabouts and and you know the belongings that are in front of her, especially she's she is shocked to see that detonator. That's not something she was expecting to see. Right, and when she exits the deck, what does she say to Callie? Uh, oh, she thought it was uh, nighttime. Right, she was saying, "Oh, thanks, evening." She's like, "It's it's the morning." So now we're talking about a time loss. Exactly. So we know she lost time. We know she's not sure where she is, and we're and she's not sure what is going on now. Yeah. 
that confusion almost seems to cause fear. We already know that she knows that there are rumors about Cylon agents. Yeah. So what is the advantage when you're designing a sleeper agent to have the sleeper program take over, but then relent and allow the quote-unquote regular person to re-exert control over things to have a memory loss there? Is that, what, what do you think the pros and cons of that are? I'm curious as to what you think. Hmm. That seems to me, the only thing I, that jumps to my mind is the potential chaos of it, of letting that kind of hysteria and panic about who is who and people, you know, there's already, you know, everybody's aware of these rumors at this point of Cylon agents that look like people. If she starts getting these time losses and starts thinking that she is somehow part of the attack in some way that she's uh, planning these devices and, and something's going on. She starts to wonder she, if she's a Cylon or not. It, it it could definitely be something that breaks down morale among, among people and, and, you know, just a, a further psychological attack. That's the, that's the only thing I can I like see. It. I like it. Yeah. What if it's weird though, because you think if, if she loses control and starts to go bonkers and she is thinking, I'm not well, I think something's wrong with me. What if she just admits to the chief, I think I'm concerned that I might be a Cylon, I have no control. She has to imagine she's going to be locked up. So in the programming, how does that afford them an advantage? Do you think it's purely a psychological advantage at this point to, to, to make the person who is a sleeper agent have no memory of it? just purely to 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 destroy morale should she be discovered possibly or or maybe it isn't in their their plans that are programming for the person to reemerge after they you know they have turned them on to be an operative interesting maybe she's malfunctioning this is not supposed to be happening among their their sleeper agents i don't know i like it i like where your head's at Let's go ahead and uh, talk about her going to a small arms locker where she returns the detonator and then realizes there are fucking six missing. Six. six. Already gone. Which G4 is essentially space C4. There you go. That can do some damage, as we're about to find out. (laughs) Yes, it can. And we get this exterior shot of the fleet, and we see that they're placed around. We get these quick cuts of seeing all these little detonators placed everywhere. Mm-hmm. In a hazy, a blue, hazy environment. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So Ty frantically looks for his dress uniform accessories. He's being summoned over the 1MC to go to the CIC. He stops to measure the liquor in his bottle. <laughs> his last five drinks. Five fingers remain. Oof. Yeah, that's all he's got. <laughs> An alcoholic's last rations. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good question. Ty rations <laughs> this. <laughs> this. Although he doesn't drink it at all, does he in this episode? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think he he's, is saving he's, that for the worst occasions. He's on. He's uh, still on the wagon. boy. Good job, Ty. Yeah, Ty, so fighting it off. These next few scenes are just quick. Ty frantically looking around, Liadama grabbing his dress uniform, getting a flashback of the Olympic carrier. What would you think of this? I yeah, I mean I was wondering that this was, you know, going to be talked about, going to come back up again, but it seems like he's really struggling with it. You know, he's had, he looks in the mirror and has a flashback of shooting the ship. Right. Pretty dark. Pretty dark. Seems like it's going to be on him for a while. Dark enough for him to bring up to his old man who he seems to have reconciled with. Yeah, it seems like it seems like they have a, a bit of a relationship again. Talk out these kinds of issues. But uh, old man tells him to uh, handle it, basically. He fucking totally tells him to handle it. He's like, <laughs> suck it up, you baby. 
I don't give a <laughs> frack about your problems. Your little pans. Uh, I love the line, that was three days ago. <laughs> Ancient history in times like these. What? Three oh. days ago, I killed, I shot down a ship with a crew complement of 1,300 souls. <laughs> there's no confirmation that there was a bunch of them on there, but... The possibility existed. Boy. So then uh, Lee says, well, listen, aren't we obligated to ask ourselves these questions as leaders? And then his father reminds him that he has to accept responsibility for the actions taken. He then tells Lee that, you know, you have to live with it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, and he, I like the line, too, of, you know, leave the second guessing to the historians. You know, basically just pointing out the fact that in the moment of making these decisions, there isn't time to second guess them. Like, whatever decision you make, you do just have to live with. You know, if you'd made the opposite decision, okay, let, we're going to not open fire and see what happens, and it got blown up and destroyed half the battle star and half the fleet. I mean, well, then shit, you have to live with that decision. I mean, like, there's just no matter what, whatever path you take, you just have to swallow the consequences. Right. And I think it's funny that this comes up later in the episode at the end when he's speaking with Roslyn, and they share a thought about the Olympic carrier and this conversation comes back again in that scene. But uh, Lee has a point where he says, listen, we're supposed to, we're obligated to ask ourselves questions. I think that's something we have to do as leaders to make sure that we're evaluating the decisions that we make. I think there is merit there, but I understand where Commander Adama is coming from, which is if you you hesitate, you're dead. That yeah. is the, that's the reality of combat. That's the reality is that hesitation, in, in, most, in most things, hesitation is never a good thing. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying don't be measured, but... I mean, I've heard it's a saying even especially in, you know, I feel like a friend of mine who was in the army told me about this from hearing from one of his drill instructors or something, just something along the lines of like, even a bad decision is better than no decision. Just yeah. making a decision. Like, you can't just sit with your thumb up your ass and, and wait. I've heard that a lot, and I've seen that. I've seen that in the business world. I've seen that in a lot of different places. When you hesitate, even though it might be better to hesitate in the moment, sometimes that hesitation causes a lack of trust in your abilities to be decisive, which compromises your leadership. And that's the issue. You want to be decisive. You don't want to be a crazy, bullheaded, fly off the handle, knee jerk guy either. Yeah. <laughs> There, there is a fine line here, and I like that we have a we have these two forces playing off of each other. Lee finds himself in an interesting, interesting predicament, being in the middle of this tug of war between Rosalind and his father in the fleet, mm-hmm. because yeah. what she tasks him with at the end is a really different twist on things. It's hey, I need you to be my advisor on the military, not a military advisor. Yeah. You need to help me understand the military itself, how they think. Right. What do you think about that? It's it's interesting. I mean, you know, we see, I feel like, from the very first time uh, Lee and Rosin are together and, you know, her their interactions, they get along a lot better than <laughs> Rosalyn and the commander. Not that they don't get along. And I think this, this whole – a lot of – pretty much any time Adama and her are on screen in this episode is building their relationship and how it is – how is the commander and the president going to interact and what is their relationship going to be like from here on out. That's a lot of what they do in this episode. And I think each of them are trying. 
uh, to, you know, to extend a, an olive branch basically and sure. then trying to make things work. But I think Lee and Rosalind just get along a lot more naturally. And so I, I get why she's saying, look, I need you to tell me how to treat them, how, how they're going to expect you to be treated. How does the mil- what does the military actually want that Adama is not just going to come out and spell out? Sure. You make a good point by saying they get along much better. It, I sometimes wonder why that is. Is it simply because Lee appears to be more courteous than the father or, or what? What do yeah. you think is the answer there? It, Lee, Lee does seem much more respectful, much more respectful of the office of the president, even though she's just a 42nd in line of succession school teacher <laughs> that is now the, the president of yeah. humanity. I mean, she's the president of humanity. And Lee's like, well, listen, I'm going to be cool with it. And that's because Lee doesn't really have the power here. And I think that's what it comes down to. Adama has his vision of the way the fleet should be handled. Rosalind has hers. And they tend to butt heads a little bit. Lee is just a soldier in a sense. He's the CAG. He reports to Commander Adama. That's what he's supposed to do. This request from Rosalind is definitely unique and is going to put him in a tight spot. Mm-hmm. I, I have the feeling that uh, the commander is not going to be a big fan of it. You don't think he's going to be down with that personal not assistant exactly. to the president? <laughs> One of his pilots? You know, he's President's like lapdog. <laughs> Back on the Colonial One, Rosalind gets prepared to board the Galactica. She is not crazy about the honors being rendered, as Billy puts it. And uh, he suggests, Billy that is, they could mention it isn't necessary, but Rosalind thinks that Adama is more comfortable with protocol. They love their protocol, she says mockingly. <laughs> and it's funny, yeah, She. <clears throat> this is our first, not maybe the very first glimpse, but a glimpse of her misinterpreting Adama. You know, yes. she sees the pomp and each circumstance. Other. Yeah, they're each they're each seeing each other the wrong. They're bringing the the baggage of their judgments of each other. You know, at a glance, along with them. You know, because she's basically saying, "Oh yeah, this big thing of pomp and circumstance. That's the military. That's what they love. Yeah. They love you know rattling their sabers and having a big show." Whereas you know, we come to learn very quickly that Adama also doesn't really want this. He's like, "All right, we might as well be respect. This is his. This is really just his idea of being respectful toward the office of the president." You know. <clears throat> Everybody wear your dress uniforms. Get out your sashes. Go look for it, Ty. Find your nice dress uniform sashes, and let's put on a proper entrance for the president in an effort to make her feel like the acknowledged president and that we right. give a shit. As as Lee later reveals to her, she, he wants you to feel like the president. And this is a nice gesture from Adama. He's it doing it to help her, and – it's the first real olive branch he's extended to her. Mm-hmm. They've sure. both dug their heels in a little bit. They've both been stubborn a little bit in their vision of the way things need to be. And this is him rendering the proper honors as far as he's concerned. Yeah, this is what's doing, you know, getting back to actually respecting, like, you know, like I was saying, the office. Because sure. before this, it was like contended of whether, like, are you really even the president? Should we even you know, go along with this, you know, and, and she was the only one who said it outright when they were talking intimately one time, just her and Dama of like, so are you going to have a military coup? Is that what you're going to do? I mean, are you going to just take right. over? I mean, otherwise, because, you know, those are your only two options. Do you, you go ahead and carry through with the same, 
protocols uh, of government that have carried us this far. And according to those protocols, she's the president and you just accept that and, and we start moving on from here. Or you say, no, I don't like that and you dismantle it and set up yourselves as the leaders. And she put it there very starkly. Like those are the choices. And so you either accept me as president or not. Right. And I think this is Adama trying to do that. Yes. I think Adama is wise enough to realize that he cannot just compromise the president. As ludicrous as the situation is, it is the situation. They have all, they're all part of this hierarchy. They're all part of the structure and they need to respect it. It was a strong play by Rosalind to put that out there, to, to, to create this ultimatum. Here are your two choices. What are you going to do? And now he's following through. And this is one of the things I like about Adama that he's been wrong already. We're only a few episodes in. He's already been wrong and he's, and he's admitted that and he's grown. It shows character, shows depth, just like Rosalind has been wrong. Yeah. Like I said, Rosalind made that promise she couldn't keep. And that's right. The ship got destroyed. I think it was, I don't remember what it was called, but the ship gets destroyed. Rising Star? No. Yeah. No, Rising Star is the one where the baby was born. Oh, right. oh, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah, I don't the the plantation ship, basically. Yeah, yeah, the greenhouse exactly. ship. The, green hey, really, ship. the show really hammered home how wrong she was on that one. Right. Watch the little girl playing with her teddy bears. And, and, and wrong, and just wrong, not not because she was trying to be deceptive, but just no. because that's what happens sometimes, and you have to live with that. Exactly. So on the Galactica, Rosalind tells the crew that she's proud to serve as their president. Some commands are given. We see everybody really snapping to attention, the crew looking sharp with the, um, you know, of course, the dignitary on board and the president. And we get a few quick cuts back and forth here. Boomer and the chief going into the tool room. Mm, And this is where she reveals, hey, I have all these detonators or I found Mm -hmm. the one and this many are missing. Yes. There are, are, this time, six G4 detonators missing. And we might as well just talk about the whole tool thing, even though they cut around it. The chief tells Boomer that she needs to see the master at arms to report the missing detonators. She's concerned that she'll be blamed. Uh-huh. Is she concerned that she'll be blamed or is she being a spy? Oh, good. What do you call. think? I see. I, I don't think that she is oh, still, I, I, I believe that she is unaware of the things she's been doing. Uh, otherwise, why would she be alone when we see her at the beginning of the episode and shocked all by herself? Mm-hmm. She would need to be. She would just be very quickly rushing through, getting into clean clothes and getting the fuck out of there. Do but you think has- the fact that she knows and the fleet knows, and it's brought up later in the episode, which we'll talk about, that there are silence that can look like humans now and the whole sleep agent thing that she yeah. has to maybe suspect? Or do you think it's total denial at this point? I I would bet that already in the back of her mind, she has some slight suspicion of, oh, God, is, is it possible that I am one? Or, you know, because nobody knows how they work at all. They, it's, just, it's right now purely just a rumor. They have not gotten it confirmed. It's only off of Gaius's screening process, which is also bullshit, <laughs> that they even are aware of this. What a horrific it's, feeling. I know. Uh, Put yourself know. in her shoes, man. It's terrible. It's a nightmare. Imagine if you woke up drenched in water, shivering, cold, wondering what was going on. You're in a dimly lit tool room. You're like, okay, I know, I know this room. Mm-hmm. I know my name is Lieutenant Anderson. I know I'm on the Galactica. I know I belong here. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just exhausted maybe from, from when we were getting attacked every 33 minutes. Maybe you got something going on. I'm going to go see Doc. 
I'm going to yeah. go see the doc and, and we'll fucking get this straightened out. Then you go into your bag and you find detonators in there and you go, whoa. And then you go to the small arms locks to return them and realize there's more missing. Oh, so bad. <laughs> I mean, what's your first move? Exactly. I mean, I don't blame her for how she acts from here. It's very human the way she acts. She runs to basically her boyfriend and, you know, confides in close, him. Yeah, somebody she can trust. Yeah, somebody who's not going to immediately sell her out. And she's saying they're going to, of course, think it's me. I can't just go and tell. Yes. Um, and so basically, you know, and I don't think, you know, you could look at it with a very cynical eye and go, oh, she's a spy and she fucking knows it. She's playing it up and she is, uh, you know, including him now uh, unknowingly in her plan, uh, right. getting him to help her throw off her, her trail. You could say that, but I really do think at this point she is still completely unaware. Now, the very. The very last shot of the episode throws that into question as well. But uh, as we will moment, talk about that. Uh huh. And it is, yeah. The, I think the line is in the final line here is is that you know Boomer tells the chief that she replaced a detonator that was in her duffel and put it back. The chief assumes she's been drugged. You've been drugged. This is the best part of this. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Boomer. We've talked about put yourself in Boomer's shoes. Put yourself in his shoes, Matthew. You're running the deck. Your girlfriend, an officer, mind you, comes mm-hmm. in frantic, telling you all the shit that's going on. You know that the rumors are going around, sleeper agents hiding in the fleet, people are getting crazy. What do you yeah. do? Ugh. Do you See? think, I mean, it's hard because you're not actually in that situation, but <laughs> the chief starts to rationalize instantly. Oh, yeah. She's been Absolutely. drugged. You've been drugged. It's fine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've been drugged. We're going to take care of this. Don't worry. That's what happened. Of course. Somebody's of course. setting you up. It's so, he he's so fucking convinced that this is it. Oh, yeah. Doesn't even stop to contemplate. Well, Not, shit, maybe you really are. Right. Oh, this is some treacherous shit. It's some sad shit. It is. Now, we go through that whole boomer thing, but intercut with that is Rosling, Rosling, Rosalind. Mm, I would love a nice Rosling with this uh, <laughs> chicken. Uh, Rosalind is watching and listening to the crew working, they discuss water reclamation technology on the Galactica. Ty and Adama discuss how Roslyn, a former teacher, likely finds all oh, this a big educational experience, Ty says. <laughs> Adama and Ty share a laugh, thinking of how they're acting as tour guides. I like that moment. That was great. And then, of course... <laughs> He's like, you feeling like, a, well, feeling something? Tour guide. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> a couple of war dogs. <laughs> and then Billy flubs with D and Lee tells Rosalind that his dad hates this shit. And that's when it gets revealed. <laughs> I did like that scene. Your hair looks nice. My hair? Her response. Hair. <laughs> I'm Rihanna, bitch. <laughs> and then we all get snapped back into reality when we get an explosion ripping through the Galactica's water reservoir tanks. Decompression oh, yeah. alarms, explosions, Tie reports, we're venting all our water into space. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is bad fucking news. And I've always, you know, I've always thought on shows like this with these kinds of major ships, you know, sustaining so many people that, yeah, they must have big reservoirs of water, big reservoirs of oxygen or, or however they process things. But that to me has always seemed like the most dangerous parts of these ships, something that's so vulnerable that uh, yeah, to see it explode and to see those that just like ocean of water pumping out into space. There's your drinking water. There's your <laughs> necessary to survive water gone forever. Ugh, Shit. that's heavy. Yeah, you don't see this all the time in science fiction, do you? No. 
You don't, they don't see, get into the nitty gritty. No. How do you actually sustain life in this situation? Typically, if you're on a ship in a science fiction setting, resources do not become a concern. Yeah. Even because in, for even one, in, it's, I was just gonna say, it's not a, it's not a endlessly long term engagement that they're involved with. Yeah. Even in a, even in a gritty science fiction film. Uh, or, or, or TV show, like even Firefly doesn't really get into what are we going to eat? I mean, they get into fuel issues, but yeah. they rarely get a, Most of the time, this is not a concern, and I like that. Because the assumption is, is, well, I'm on a spaceship and I'm flying around, so I'm pretty sure we got the water and food fucking handled. <laughs> we got that other shit on lock. <laughs> but it's, yeah. like, it's nice to see these problems that we can really wrap our head around, and not just in the abstract. Yes, I agree. So the chief leads a DC team, damage control, into the tank to investigate. Callie and a few others are with him. And I love how the Raptors on the assist on the outside, shining its searchlights in. Super cool. Super yeah. cool. Boomer's piloting. Can you tell what happened? The chief, Lieutenant, don't worry. Callie's like, whoa. <laughs> you guys really? are being really weird right now. Like, I get it. You're, you're, you're poking her in the tool room. <laughs> Well, I was going to say they've been kind of keeping their uh, relationship a little more on the down low, but it seems like they're flaunting it a little more now. Maybe it's a thing of desperation. Maybe it's the sense of we're the last of humanity. We're not going home anymore. I don't know. But they're definitely floating it out there a little more explicitly than they used to be. I think everybody's kind of like rolling their eyes. Like, okay, yeah, we get it. <laughs> yes. But this is a little sloppy right here. This is oh, I agree. me covering for you. And it's suspicious. Time. And Callie... And Callie picks up on, this is not just, I'm banging this broad and we're being cutesy-cutesy on the mics. It's, why are you telling her not to worry about it? What does she have to worry about? Yeah, yeah. Not good. And this is the stuff that, the tip of the iceberg, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this kind of treachery is what a Cylon sleeper agent can do. Forget about Cylons that are not sleeper agents. Forget about Cylons that are unknown people that could be lurking in the fleet, but you are friends, People you yes. know. Hmm. And see, you. That, that's the thing. If, if she is, if, if it's true, like I was saying, take the most cynical perspective of she is totally aware of who she is, what's going on, and she's just manipulating the chief and everybody else, then she's also having to act, you know, just act like right. a human because she's ha- having to manipulate him in a very human way. You know, the way she's getting him to cover for her is by reminding him basically that, you know, I, I can only trust in you because I love you. Sure. It's it's such a human level of manipulation that I I think it's that's almost too hard to be it's you can't fake that. Like I think she is unaware still. Mm, good stuff. So later we have Adamatai, Rosalind, Gaeta, Billy, Baltar all in the wardroom there discussing the water situation. Mhm. Forty percent. Forty percent left. Bad news. And they were, what, I think a third or two-thirds of the fleet was waiting on being, you know, resupplied by their water supply? That is uh, so scary to me. Oh, yeah. You know, you can imagine if things go tits up and you're on the earth and you go, water's a problem, but I know where a couple lakes are. So worst case, I'm fucking drinking shit-filled fishy leg water. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll find yeah. some kind of running stream where I'm getting good filtration. I'm pretty sure I can find water, at least in the Northeast. At least in the Northeast. You fuckers in the Southwest, you're done. Sorry. <laughs> you're done. Black tongues, husks, dried out in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> we will be the kings of the Mad Max world. <laughs> no, uh, but 
in you in, in in space, man. Boy, yeah. you're on a ship. You're in a steel thing. Outside is death, mm-hmm. and you're running out of water. This is a a scary idea, and I like that. I like how the rest of the fleet has two days. The president starts with the emergency rations. There's your trivia questions. There you go. Ty warns <laughs> of riots. That's the first thing he thinks about. Again, Ty. Very mistrustful of the population. Indeed. Of the people. He was bringing up the thing about witch hunts before, yes. which comes up again, which yes. I still think is a correct calculation yes. to make, really. But uh, but yeah, he definitely – he is very cynical towards how he thinks <laughs> civilians and the larger you know populace are going to act. But not wrong. Not wrong, though. Not wrong, that fucker. He says what is hard to hear, but he says it anyway. Yeah. Because it's later revealed that riots already started in the episode. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's. I think Boomer, I think Lee tells Boomer when he's saying, you have to find water, when he's dispatching her to go out. That's right, okay. But yeah, Taiwan to the riots, Rosalind asks Gator for a theory on the accident. This is a weird little power play here. Yes, yeah. Gata stands like, there. Mm-hmm. She presses him to guess. He doesn't until Tama prompts him. Yeah. This is a, you What know, do you think's going on here? It's uh, a situation of saying, you're going to answer to me. This is not going to be an insular military thing where you guys only hang together and you really only, yeah, oh, you'll report to me formally, but you're going to tell the real stuff to your military mm. commanders. No, I'm the fucking president and you're going to answer me. Do you think she's doing that because she still doesn't trust Adama to be straight with her? And by putting this young man on the spot, Mm. do you see what I'm getting at? By by her going directly to him, she's circumventing his authority in a weird way. And that sounds shitty. And and this could just be her not realizing that she's disrespecting the chain of command here on the one hand. Or it could just be her genuinely asking somebody in the room and not even thinking about any of that other than let's get to the bottom of this. That, and I think she was also trying to shift the conversation from let's, okay, right now we're we're taking toll of the damage. We're trying to figure out what we're going to have to do from here, but let's shift it to, was this an accident or was this sabotage? Like, are we talking about an attack or a malfunction? Because even his answer is just, oh, well, my best theory right now is that after the last Cylon attack and the nuclear explosion might have structurally weakened the outside of it and it just, you know, buckled over time and now it's given way. But uh, yeah, I think she was trying to bring up a little bit the topic of, are we sure we weren't just fucking attacked, especially from the inside? Right, right. And she's asking because her interest is in knowing, and she goes, she asks that guy. But that's my point. She could have, afterwards, she could have said, dismissed, all right, what's going on here? What do you guys think? But no, she asks this, this officer, this young guy, mm-hmm. and that's in intimidating. That's intimidating when the president says, what the fuck's going on? Talk to me. And he's yeah. like, I don't know. I mean- and that, that brings in the whole, in, like you said, insular military thing. Like they're going to keep the truth to themselves and let Rosalind know she needs, she's on a need-to-know basis, the president. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're on a need-to-know basis, bitch. You pick up the red phone when we feel like giving you the calls. And she just slices through that. Exactly. But I love how Gaius looks on as Rosalind asks to be indulged. He's like, oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> indulge me. Later in that meeting, we see Rosling asking Ty, how likely is it that they'll find water on nearby planets? Now you want me to guess, I take it. He's <laughs> yeah. the best. He's the best. I do love it. He's such a bastard. I do love it. And I mean, Adama, you know, he had earlier made the point of like, you know, we just think it's best not to guess until we've gathered up all the facts. Right. He gonna- does. He does jump in to help her out. He's like, Colonel, 
and then Ty apologizes. He's like, tough day for all of us, I guess. Right. We have no water here. <laughs> yeah. In in this interaction and in the other interaction, when Gate is questioned directly by Roslyn, did you pick up on guys really observing this? Oh yeah, yeah. Figuring out figuring out who's really in yes. charge, figuring out the dynamic. Yes. Yeah. Very smart to. man, very observant. And he's sitting there so disinterested. Like his body language is hilarious. <laughs> when he's dealing with these, you know, official, uh, officious types, right? And then yeah. he, he, his head doesn't move, but his eyes dart to the right, and he's like, hmm, what's going on here? And he's observing the dynamics at play. There's power dynamics at play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's, he is definitely a wise observer. He knows when to keep his mouth shut and just pay attention. Right. So Baltar breaks down the requirements based on the size of their survivor count. The numbers are staggering, and Lee's like, yeah. is that per month? And he's like, per week, dude. Oof. Not per month, per week. This is what we require. So they're going through all of the things that they need to keep people alive, primarily food and water. Yeah, there it is. Those numbers don't mean much to us. They're just big, fancy science fiction numbers. But it's broken down to this is what we need per week. And the performances here is something I admire because it sells the fact that this is a big deal. Because we yeah. don't know. It, we only know because of the way they react because we're not logistics officers who understand these numbers. Yeah, exactly. But their reaction to these numbers is, is what is interesting about and, and harrowing when we learn, oh boy. Oof, yeah. What, they, is, what yeah. possible plan can you go from to start fulfilling all of this? And they right. now, you know, are like we've already been saying, 40% of water for even their own supply. Right. Callie continues to get suspicious of the chief. She shows him a piece of metal that is uh, burned out. And uh, she said, look, this is, it's got burn marks all over it. And he's like, ah, I'm not sure. It looks kind of rusted out. And she just eyes him. Yeah. She and knows just, the chief very well. They have a does. great relationship. And you can tell that he's like, boy, I don't know about this. Or she's like, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. She, she can tell the difference in his tone and behavior right away and he's just staring at that piece after she hands it to him because he knows he, he he can see it just as easily as she can that this is burned this is explosive you know real residue do you think something's going to come of Callie's suspicions i do i don't know if she's going to like flat out report him or if she's going to confront him about it but it's going to come back she is she is so you know there are so many times where the shot pans you know seeing Boomer and the chief walking away, and we pan back to her just watching them like this is something's fucked. Like right. she knows. She's too smart. Caprica. On Caprica, we see Boomer and Hilo observing Cylons crowding around her raptor. Hilo teases her a little bit. Don't ask questions, she says. Just follow the pilot. Do you want to just do Caprica at this point? I guess we could go ahead and blow through that. It's not too too much there. No, not much at all. Uh, in fact, what is the next thing that happens? I think it is... When they're around the fire and they yeah. pick up the signal of a colonial ship, something yes. nearby. Uh, some pretty important things happen here. So Caprica Boomer shoots some anti-rise at your neck. They have a campfire, some soup, and uh, it's raining and shitty. And Hilo says, why did you come back for me? Yeah, yeah. And she can't really answer. She just says, you know, I just couldn't bear to leave you. Let's leave it at that. And that seemed to me so now this one Boy, this, did they share a look. Oh, absolutely. And I think this Caprica Boomer is 
very aware of her being a Cylon agent. I think she knows exactly what's going on and is acting. I think that's my theory right now. And I think she's playing up the whole, the look, the romance angle of it so that he will just believe, Oh, you're actually kind of in love with me. That's why you came back. I'll stop asking questions. (laughs) I won't press you anymore. Oh, gorgeous. Sharon is just into me. That's why you couldn't stand to leave me, baby. Quite the fantasy, huh? Uh-huh. Someone when you work with, especially in this military context, whom you, you know, you've got a great relationship with her, you have to stay on the planet. Suddenly she comes back for you solo. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's somebody from the planet because the other one went back as we've already worked through that mess at the front of this episode. <laughs> so we know this is a, a, a Caprica boomer. So she was down here on this planet and she went to find Hilo. Yeah. And yeah. she has a raptor. See, now mm. that is the part where I go, ooh, did they copy a raptor did they mm. like build one to as part of a you know a larger disguise of a plan or oh man i don't know well so think weird. about this for a minute they attacked over 10 planets it's possible they captured a raptor right well that's true that is true it's a good point i wouldn't get too don't get pulled too far i mean it's not really a spoiler either but it's something <laughs> it's uh, to be honest with you i don't even remember if it is if it's an actual raptor or not i don't i don't recall yeah. But you think she's completely aware of her Cylon-ness, this one? I think. And, you know, I, I, there was a moment, right, when I was trying to figure that out that I thought, okay, well, maybe they're able to take the memories of of a Boomer, a Sharon, whatever you want to say, um, and manipulate them to where do you still have this one believing that she is Sharon, but that she just made a different choice to come back to Caprica. Mm-hmm. So that they reprogram a Cylon copy of a Sharon to think, no, I did come back to Caprica to get Hilo, and then they just unleash her. Or is she totally conscious that she is a Cylon and part of this plan? And I, I, like I said, I've leaned towards that, that, that she, this one is very aware. I think it's the, it's the same one we saw with the other Cylon copies where she said, I'll get the information. I think it's that one. In either, in, in either case, in either of those scenarios, the question remains – What's the motivation? Okay, if the Cylon hierarchy, if, if, if option one is they programmed her to fool her, to send her in, what's the motivation for that? And if it's not, and she's not a sleeper agent, and she's just a straight Cylon, and she's approached Hilo, what's the motivation in that? Yeah. Now, that's the thing. I'm, I'm trying to, I, I cannot figure out what exactly they're hoping to extract out of Hilo. Like, what bit of information or knowledge could he know that will point them in the right direction or, or hand, I, I don't know. Maybe there's another, this is another thing I kind of have thought about. Maybe they have to capture a person in order to make a Cylon copy of them. Like this is how they make new Cylon copies, but then, but, but they already have counted Hilo as gone. So I'm like, I don't know. That doesn't really make any sense. I don't know that this is another aspect that is still just totally mysterious to me. Yeah. At this point in the game, if anybody shows up, and you, you got to start. Uh, suspicions are going to start creeping up. Oh man! Pilots Even if the real returning. the real Hilo somehow made it off the planet and was able to get back home, he'd be like, "Guys, I I made it. I actually miraculously made it off of the nuked Caprica. The right. Cylon, exactly. Skin job, kill him. <laughs> right? Probably right would. And uh, and then the part about just the Raptor. I guess if it is an elaborate scheme, in either case, in either case. Right, either it's an elaborate scheme by e- either either Caprica Boomer knows or she doesn't know. In yeah. either case, the Cylons are responsible for crowding around that raptor. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. So that raptor is either a plant or she landed it off of some crazy elaborate sleeper plan and thinks she was going to get him off the planet on it and go back to Galactica. But think about that for a minute. But then they also get the uh, the last bit of we see of them on Caprica is getting ah. this reading of a colonial ship that is evidently nearby, and they say, "Oh wow, people are alive! <laughs> There's the military is out there, and it's in range of us." So they're hoping to get a hold of them. Uh, so I'm wondering if in the next episode they're going to be picked up by either a real colonial patrol, which doesn't seem likely because we know of the whole fleet, Battlestar, everybody that we know of as human beings that exist still right. are a part of that one fleet, and they are not anywhere near Caprica. And so I'm thinking, again, this is all still part of a Cylon plan. Like they've got captured colonial ships, and they're they're sending down this signal to this boomer to go ahead and, and extract her and Hilo with him thinking he's being rescued. There's something. There's some larger plan of that. Right. Yeah, it would be a weird play, not an impossible play, but it would be a weird play for the Cylons to want Caprica, Boomer, and Hilo to to escape to get back to the Galactic. Because all it's going to do is cause confusion. Because there's another, there's a Boomer there. Yeah. No, so yeah, that's the thing. I think uh, there's a part of me that thinks they just have a captured colonial ship and they're going to pretend that oh things are okay, we're we're rescuing you, but it's really just a Cylon operated ship that they're going to use to interrogate him or something. Ooh, I that's don't know. that's deep. That's very much a Romulan move. <laughs> there you go. It's very much a Romulan move. The old uh that's a that's a that was a that's a great like battle tactic they would do. You get into a battle and uh you know they how do they do it? They convinced it was like an explosion, except they beam the person into a holodeck of their ship. So, Matt, you're oh. on a ship. You're fighting against me, right? Yeah. And we engage in combat. In the middle of that combat, I'm able to beam you into a holodeck to where you think you never actually left your ship. Oh, yeah. Pretty slick, right? It's just this good. weird instance, and you go, whoa, what happened? Or you fell unconscious for a minute, and then you wake up, and you think you're on a ship, but you're in a holodeck, and then they use that to extract information. That's like a Romulan thing. I like it. There we go. There we go. I think it might be something like that. So you're thinking Hilo must have some kind of information that they're after. I guess so, because otherwise, why all the rigmarole to mm. keep him alive? Why indeed? have a, a, a fucking Cylon boomer after him. Yeah, it's crazy. So the chief's going to brief the senior leadership here. Very nervous. Very unlike so. the chief. <laughs> He is so nervous. Fucking uh, stammering idiot. And, Spit uh, it out, you knucklehead. Uh-huh. Hesitating. Sweaty. Probably pretty sweaty. He breaks the news on the detonators. That's the first thing he does. He then tells yeah. them that the Master at Arms is launching an investigation into mm-hmm. who had access, but then admits really poorly that because of lack of security since the attack, they may never know. Yeah, we may never find out, she said. Right. Poor record keeping which is what he's hoping for. You could uh-huh. see that at the end. You could see that. They're decommissioning the ship. You could see some lax stuff happening here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Adama dismisses everyone except Ty, Billy, Rosalind, etc., and he just drops a bomb. There's yeah. at least one Cylon aboard the Galactica. Just flat out, he knows it. And now that is another, you know, we haven't talked about it too much since that episode. You, can, you know, the end of, I guess, what was it? The miniseries? I think it was, yeah, the end of the, the final part of the miniseries where he gets that note that actually tells him yes. there are 12 Cylon models. That is still fucking huge. And not just because of you know the information of the note, but who put that there? 
Why would they put that there? And is that information even true? Like we're going off of it as if it's just stone cold truth, but fuck, maybe it's right. a total lie to divert their attention. But yeah, just kidding, assholes. We can make a Cylon copy of anybody. We, we can do anything. We can be, have a thousand different models. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it is true. And somebody on the inside who has this information who's a human and just gave it to him only to keep it secret or a Cylon purposely leaked the information. It's totally weird. It's bizarre who who could have made this note. It's important to not lose sight of what we believe the Cylon's original intent was, and that's the annihilation of humans. Yeah. And Leoban made that clear. And they attacked every every one of your planets with multiple nuclear weapons. They destroyed most of the fleet. Yeah. That yeah. is intense. So the idea of having sleeper agents on the ships would be useful just to mop up the end here. There's exactly. no there's no why have them otherwise if you're planning to destroy the entire race. Mm-hmm. If that's always the motivation, if they're rebelling, if they're after people, if they're pissed off, the forgotten children of humanity, whatever. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And so that that still makes me wonder. And again, this brings up six. You know, the way she acts, the the very human way she talks about God and love and I want to have children, that makes me think that these skin job Cylons are developing in a way that they were never intended to be. That they are they are starting to spiral off into a direction that, you know, Cylon leadership or whatever wouldn't actually want. And that there are some who are leaking information. There are some who are kind of not fully participating in the actual Cylon plan. They're kind of starting to have their own desires. I, I don't know. That's mm. that's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I like your style here. Because uh, if you're going to make – you can only make something so close to human without thinking it's going to not take on human traits. Yeah, which exactly. Which is a self-awareness. Data is a good example of this in Star Trek Next Gen. I am programmed to learn, to exceed my programming capabilities. Mm-hmm. I am not the same being that Dr. Noonien soon created. There are certain things that will never change about me, which he makes clear. But then there are other things. And you're suggesting that perhaps these Cylons are similar. Yes. Yeah, I, like it. I think so. Well, they talk about rumors, and Rosalind wants to know exactly who. And that's when Ty says, the five people in this room plus three Marines. And we know from the last episode that one of those Marines was the one kind of talking shit because that's what Crashdown said. He said, oh, some Marine said it. Oh, So you got three three Marines plus five. That's eight people who know, but the rumors are out. So eight people actually know, but the rumors are out. And that's when Gaius is pressed on the detector and he he flashes back to recalling the first girl he lied to and he talks about how all women have their unique beauty. And, of course, he slept with her years later, of course. Of course. (laughs) Years later, of course. Six gets a kick out of that. And then uh, he goes on to nervously explain that he needs to make the detector. Adama, it's obvious that you're going to need help. A staff, resources. Guy mm-hmm. doesn't love the idea of you know somebody snooping around, and Six says that she's like, "Oh, look at you, your own little uh, lap dog to follow you around." And of course, it's going to be Gata. Uh, but I like there, you know, his bumbling, you know, excuse making. There is him trying to divert talk of a detector at all to just like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to need so many, uh, such a high amount of these resources and, and these particular chemicals and everything 
basically making it look like, oh, this is just undoable for right now. We can't focus on that. But then yeah, Adama cuts him off just being like, oh, it sounds like you just need people and resources. So sure, let's get you right back on track. But so yeah, like you just said, now he's got Gator to worry about following him around, uh, whereas he didn't even want to start doing this again in the first place. But now he's got to keep somebody out of his business. Does Gaius know how to make a Cylon detector, Matthew? No. Flat out no. He, he does not have one, and he does not know how, I don't think. Okay. I think the first time he faked those scientific results because he'd already deduced that who you know that guy was a Cylon, so he just had to try and make it look like, oh, hey, but I found a logical scientific path to get to this point. It's him. But I think that shit was faked because even Six flat out says, oh, wouldn't it be so nice if you actually had a Cylon detector? Right. Because he doesn't. Boomer gets a critical mission here. People are already panicking. Leah reminds her that if she doesn't find water soon, he lets that hang a little bit. The chief and her inspect the ship. They're walking around looking at the raptor, and he assures her that she'll be fine. Boomer reminds him that she would never do something like that. He tells her that he believes her. And then she says this. It's very important that you believe me. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to her? Well, you could take again. Let's go ahead. We'll we'll take the the cynical approach and then the earn you know the sincere approach. And let's sincere, start. How about this? Start with your personal theory as to this, because you've already said that you believe that she is unaware of yes. the things that are happening, just based on the way they shoot the episode. She wakes up confused. Yeah, yeah, and I and I believe that, and I think sure. that is. I mean, that's what they're that, showing us. Basically, yeah, and I think that is the more – if you're taking her at her word, if what she's saying is sincere, then yeah, she's just saying you know she loves him and cares about him a lot, wants, you know, wants her word to be enough for him to, for him to not think she's a Cylon agent. That chance, hey, it's important yes. that you believe me in this and don't you know, start drifting away from me because you think I'm some monster in disguise, you know, letting the rumors get between them. The cynical approach is, hey, no, I need to really make sure you're, you are integral to my evil Cylon plan. You have got to believe me in this so that I can still pull it off. Why do you think that Caprica Boomer and Galactica Boomer are so different? I think the biggest clue is just about to come. When they're on the ship, when they're on their raptor out there scanning a planet, uh, and she, you know she's with Crashdown, and she has – that detonator already activated and on her ship and her hand is hovering above it. And she's even, you know, ignoring the fact that she is picking up positive signals of H2O, that there's water on this planet. Uh, and even though, you know, Crashdown isn't, and she's saying, Oh, I don't see anything, but you can watch this conflict play out across her face and in her mind where she's saying, I don't know if I just have a feeling it's hard to say, Let's do another scan. It's as if she is fighting against her Cylon programming in that moment where her Cylon programming is saying to no, of course, don't let them know about the water and go ahead and blow yourself up. I think that's what it was supposed to happen, that she was supposed to go out there. Yeah, the only one that could detect water and then kill themselves in her mission, be done with. Because uh, I think that maybe the Cylon original plan was that, OK, you can get in here, blow up the water supply. They'll be fucked. You, they're, they're only – planet close by enough that they have water you're not going to let them know they even have it and you go ahead and end your mission i think that's what was supposed to happen and she is not aware of it she can't articulate it she's like i just have this feeling I, like i can't you know she's basically saying i can't see it even though it's right there in front of her that the water's there and she disobeys whatever this cylon programming was and goes ahead and acknowledges that there's water tells them about it doesn't detonate 
So that's, that's why I still think she is not aware that she's a Cylon. She's fighting against whatever secret Cylon, you know, feelings are in there. I like it. When I first watched this episode, I thought exactly the same thing. Now, whether I'm right or not, I'm not going to tell you. But what you're saying is that she's rebelling against her Cylon programming. Yes. Boy, does that not add a huge wrinkle into the possibilities of the story then. Yeah, exactly. Especially for the the Cylon objective. That Mm. Okay, we've made these things to infiltrate the humans, but that's, you know, the perfect infiltrator that looks exactly like them, acts exactly like them, is going to be picking up Human qualities as well, like we already said. Ah, so you're suggesting it's a possible flaw in the design. It's too perfect. Kind of, yeah. That's that's the feeling I'm getting. Mm, okay, good shit. <laughs> so we covered that part of it. Let's go back to Adama meeting with Rosalind in his quarters, mentioning that uh, she wants to borrow a book. They discuss some books for a minute, and Adama offers her a book. Classic, I guess. And Adama calls it a gift. Never lend books. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. What a Don't nice what a nice exchange between these two. Yeah. This, this is great. This is one of the things I love about Adama is is that there's something about when he offers a gesture, it's so real. It's so powerful. Yeah. There's something about that with him. For sure. I mean, and I like how he just quietly abides. He doesn't how even he is. make a big deal of it or like, oh, well, sure, uh, this will be a good book you like. He just walks over after, you know, she's saying, oh, yeah, I wish I had more books and just takes her one. Here, here you go. I'm like, don't even worry about it. Don't. <laughs> it's just so simple. No wasted words from him. Exactly. He's such a, a, a simple, he's very elegant in his simplicity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Gator talks Guy's ear off. Guy's bots the pilot's game and waltzes in like James fucking Bond. Mind <laughs> if I sit in, Lieutenant? And he's funny as shit here, man. He I love have... the way he shakes off Gato, where right? he's just like, uh-huh, is that a card game? <laughs> and yeah. just walks the he's fuck like, away. He's like, don't let me keep you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he sits that down. He doesn't have the cubes, but he has a nice jacket and begins to work the room. He's charming. Oh, yeah. This is guys when he's at his best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you see why you know he is that dangerous genius who's not you know not the mathematically brilliant yet socially awkward person. No, he is absolutely you know scientifically brilliant, but is also emphatically brilliant and knows how to socially read the room and is great sure. with people. Like he's sure. he's intelligent in both ways. We quickly cut away to Adama and Rosalind discussing the riots. They said Ty was right. Rosalind wants help from the military. And this is a very cool conversation. There's a yeah. reason why you separate the military and the police. When the military becomes both and the enemies of the state tend to be the people. And mm-hmm. Rosalind mm-hmm. says, okay, but that's not going to happen. You have my word. And <laughs> Rosalind goes, and then Adama goes, okay. Send some troops. Yeah. So this is nice because this is Adama saying, okay, I'm going to comply with you. I'm not going to fight you on this. You're the president. You asked for something. I'm going to give it to you. He offers very little resistance here. Why do you suppose that is? Well, I think, you know, it's funny because he's almost on her side of what she had said earlier about, like, this can't become a military coup. And that's essentially the same thing he's saying is, like, this gets too close to the military wielding all the power. You know, there's no no facet of life that we're not in control of if we're also the police and we're also the people giving out the food and everything, you know. It's too much, and it, it starts to become a military state. And he's the one pointing that out again, saying we can't let that happen. It, it gets too close. And I think you know she 
she is just more concerned about safety at this point. So she's willing to be like, ah, look, we're just talking about putting a few troops out there to safeguard people. It won't happen. It's not going to be a big deal. So he acquiesces. But I think his, the main thing is he was just wanting to bring up that point of like, hey, what you said earlier about there, how there shouldn't be a military coup. You were right. So don't let it slowly happen. I like it. I, I like that dynamic a lot. I think this is brilliant writing here. Yeah, for the show to take something that she's worried about, and for then her to be compelled for the safety of the people to exercise military power for her advantage. And look, I know that the people, I know that she's looking out for the people's best interest here, but it's but it's concerning that she's willing to take military personnel to make that happen. Yeah, she's willing pretty to comfortable take with it there. People trained for combat, not policing. They're, they're trained for combat, not policing. She's willing to take that risk. There you go. And Adama warned her. <laughs> that's right. Oof, you're making it sound like that's going to rear its head. <laughs> Back at the card table, Gaius is quipping away. Uh, a player gets bounced. It's down to three. That guy gets bounced. And then it comes down to Gaius and Starbuck, of course. Oh, it's me and you. Oh. <laughs> He's so God, Is he not? He looks at her and he goes, well, you're almost like six. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's lay on the charm. I I think that it, it has nothing to do with with it because <laughs> he he's gonna bang anybody anyway. And this <laughs> this is something. This is something. This is like the curse of the man, right? If we're gonna be honest for a minute. If you were fucking six all day, you know, after a few months, you'd be looking at another chick who's probably not as hot, but just a different type of hot. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's just the curse of uh, us wanting the, to spread our genetic material all over the place. It's <laughs> the reality. <laughs> like a bunch of drunk gorillas. Like a bunch of savages, bunch of chimps. And uh, Starbuck is a, is a very attractive young woman, and Gaius is not stupid. And he's already made a point about, you know, I, I see everybody's beauty in their own way, and that's turning right up immediately. Mm-hmm. He flirts with her a lot. She reciprocates. Yeah, she does. She do, in, a, in a not as forward way as he, I don't think, but it's definitely there. Oh, it's there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, Gaius has the full colors. He takes his winnings. He offers her the cigarettes. And they stand there very close, face to face. She takes the cigarette. <laughs> Blows smoke what, in his face. What do you think about the way she's responding to him in this scene? Especially at the conclusion here. Yeah. I don't know. There, I think she definitely likes his... Uh, I mean, I, I think the same thing he uses to charm and work his way into everybody. She likes his intelligence. He's competent. He just nailed this card game and you know, had it down won very well and he's he's kind of cocky in a way that i think she is too and so Mm -hmm. i think that's there you know he's not stuffed up military type he's got just the i'm a i can do whatever i want civilian cocky guy type going on to her cocky Uh, is is flawless when you are funny (laughs) there you go you have to be funny and charming for it to work and uh, he seems to have a pretty good grasp on it. But yeah. I found this very intimate between the two of them. The, the, the parting gift of the last cigarette, and she smokes it and blows a smoke in his face. And I know that's her kind of saying, you know. <laughs> it's a little it, bit of fuck you there. It's but a little it's bit a, of fuck a, you there. But it's she's, a light fuck But you. she's right there, right? Uh-huh. She's engaged with him. Oh, for sure. She stays in eye contact with him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm watching it again right now. <laughs> I think she's into him. I think there's definitely a possibility. I think he... 
to be honest, I think as far as he's concerned, I think there's a bit of him wanting to throw up a finger to six, <laughs> a little bit of, mm-hmm. hey, you're just a, a figment of my imagination now. I'm going to get me a real warm-bodied, actual human hot woman. So fuck you, six. I think that's a little bit in the mix. Um, but I think you know they're both genuinely at least interested in each other. Yeah. Curious. Back on the CIC, of course, we've already talked about the H2O positive report and uh, Crashdown calls it in. He's freaking out. The crew cheers. He's like, I think they're cheering. I like that part. <laughs> yeah, we, I can uh, hear them. A great exterior shot. Let's go have a drink. And then, of course, Boomer sees the detonator and switches it off. Yes. Her reaction oh. here is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Great, great this acting. Is a, Grace Park, this, I think, is her name. I, I was just going to say... Grace Park. I looked that up. Very careful to not see anything else. But Grace Park. This is definitely her episode. She's excellent in mm-hmm. this. She really is. And that's a tall order. B, two different Cylons, basically, and one who's totally in the mix of the people and still trying to navigate being in love and being a Cylon and not knowing what's going on. And another one with totally different motivations on a different planet. Sure. That's a tall order for acting. And she's, sure. she's done really well. Boomer and Crashdown return to cheering crew members. Boomer tells the chief to look at the ejection pyros. And then when Callie goes, she's like, no, you go. Again. Yeah, I want the chief to look. Callie has been getting a lot of clues. Oh, Callie knows what's going on. She oh. is figuring it out. Boy, oh, boy. Rosalind speaks with Lee. She talks about the Olympic carrier. We, we, we hinted at this at the top. He admits that he can't stop thinking about it, and he repeats his father's words. I like that. He turns his father's lesson into action immediately by repeating it to her by saying, well, we just got to live with the consequences. Yeah. And that's when she recalls President Adar's decision that led to 15 deaths. He knew it was a mistake. He kept the names of the dead people in the death drawer to remember the mistake, even if unable to admit them publicly. And then Rosalind says, boom, puts out her piece of paper. She's like, well, I don't have a desk yet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But I like, you know, uh, Lee's immediate response is, so you're saying it was a mistake. Right. You know, he just jumps to that. of Like, is that what you're telling me? You, this, you think this was a mistake? And I think on my first watch, I actually was very much like, damn, I don't really agree with Rosalind pointing this out here. It's, it, it, it rung of me, rung to me just of like, you should feel guilty about this. You should just go ahead and feel like you made a mistake and this was bad. But on the second watch, I took it more as just a, it doesn't really matter if it was a mistake or not. You still need to not just live with those consequences, but actively grapple with them and try to learn from them. Yeah. Uh, not just put it aside and go, ah, if I can live with it, give me another finger of whiskey. Right. You know, you need to learn from that and, and figure out how you came to that place. Why did we get into that position where this terrible decision had to be made? Could we have done something differently to not even put ourselves in that position? I think that's more the lesson she's trying to impart there, which I like. Don't wallow, reflect. Yes, exactly. Don't forget about it. Don't forget know. about it too. That's the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. I like that scene a lot. I like, you know, you pointing out Lee's response to it. So what are you saying? I like that he looks to her for her perspective. Yeah. He's curious as to her opinion, and it makes him question his own. That is somebody who has a natural leadership to them, meaning Rosalind. Yeah. That's something that Adama wouldn't do, at least publicly. He would listen, go back to his room, and come back. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I like true. I like how I like how it shows you an open-mindedness to Lee. Lee's yeah. open-minded. He's willing to listen. Definitely. And he's willing definitely. to consider his opinion with more input added. That that makes him interesting. It's funny because I wasn't too high on Lee for so long, but at this point you start to go, "All right, he's kind of cool." Yeah. Yeah. 
No, he he's fairly it's interesting. He comes to the ship the very first time we see him in the first part of the miniseries. So, you know, full of hot air towards his dad and right. just so cocked up on that. And that's really the only aspect of him we're seeing that he just seems like a brash, you know, military meathead dickhead. Sure, sure. And uh, But yeah, no, he's actually surprisingly one of the most level-headed people, I think. I think he, he's he the least emotionally and, and very on top of things. Keeps a lid on himself very well. Yep. Of course. And I think there's there's one other aspect too we haven't really talked about. You know, it's mentioned very briefly that obviously Commander Adama and his wife are divorced and you know, Lee had been in contact with her and Adama had hadn't talked to her in a while. But she's gone now too. I think this is a little bit of a uh, mother figure ah, popping up here for Mr. Good Lee. observation. Now, Rosalind then tells Lee that telling Commander Adama about this is going to be the first assignment because of course the military advisory role comes up. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to tell him. Do your job. <laughs> Yikes. That's a tough task, I'd have to say. <laughs> yeah. And she knows it, too. We wrap on the tool room. Boomer and the chief meet. The chief tells Boomer that the Master of Arms was given the detonator. And she's like, what the fuck? What do you mean? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It'll be okay. And then we yeah. cut to her creepy hall walk. Jeez Louise. And she does nothing. It's not like she smiles or grimaces or anything. She just has a she's fucking a little smile. Com- I didn't really pick up on it. Oh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, it's very stoic to me. She just marches away very robotically, very stoically. And, you know, it's really more a meta thing. It's the show's presentation of her walking that makes it suspicious. It's not really her. But the fact that the show is focusing on her with the kind of music and the intensity and the close-up of it all. I'm like, oh, well, fuck, am I totally wrong? Is she just a Cylon monster and she knows it? Yeah, what do Uh, you take from that? What what, what are you... I the I take from that that I may very well be totally fucking wrong, <laughs> and that she is way more aware of her role as a Cylon than Cylon than I was giving her credit for. If one of the things you were saying early in this podcast, which was there has to be, yeah, she has a a, a blank expression. There is no smile. Yeah, I have it on in the background here. I'm looking at it. <laughs> and if she is rebelling against her programming, that means that times her program is going to kick in, kick in, right? Yes, the blackout period. The yeah. blackout period. So her walking through the hallway right there could be a blackout period. Who the fuck knows? I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That maybe this is, we're seeing that the, the ominous music is signaling that she has just been kicked off into another period where she's on a Cylon mission again and she's not aware of it, but she's blacking out as she walks away and is off to go do something else. What could that mission possibly be? Ooh, who fucking knows? <laughs> Well, that's the episode, buddy. There we are. Excellent. Boy, oh boy. That was a good one. Before we move to trivia time, actually, I'll ask you this in the wrap. So why don't we move to trivia time? Woo, trivia. Give it to me. Bing, ba-bing, bing, bing. (laughs) Trivia time. Okay, let me just relook at my notes here. Okay, I'm going to read to you one, two, three, four, five things. Oh, wow. All right. And I'm going to make it a little easier this week. Well, not particularly. (laughs) But two of these. Fucking pity. (laughs) Two of these five things will happen. Two of five, okay. Oh, boy. (laughs) Or you'll learn about. I don't mean to say it that way because I'm looking looking over them again. Will actually occur. They'll either. Something will happen, or this fact will be revealed to you. Okay. Okay? One. I'm going to call this A. (laughs) So A is, 
Ty maintains his sobriety next week and shares a mutually respectful drink of water with Starbuck. <laughs> Two, Starbuck is the best shot in the cockpit, but we learn that she is not the best shot out of the cockpit. That's B. C, Lee convinces Rosalind that she must go through an election process at the end of her term. Mm. D, Rosalind is found unconscious by Gaius Baltar, and he then learns of her cancer when Billy admits it to him. E, during a violent encounter with prisoners, deckhand Callie sustains a serious gunshot wound. Damn, damn. I'll read them again. Damn. All right. Ty maintains his sobriety and shares a mutually respectful drink of water with Starbuck. B, Starbuck is the best shot in the cockpit, but we learn that she is not the best shot out of the cockpit. C, Lee convinces Rosalind that she's going to go through an election process at the end of her term. D, Rosalind's found unconscious by Gaius, and he learns of her cancer when Billy admits it to him. And then E, during a violent encounter with prisoners, Callie sustains a serious gunshot wound. Hmm. I'm going to go with, what is that, C and... Tell me them. Just read them to me and I'll, or, or repeat them and I'll circle the ones that you're saying are the answers. Yeah. My first is C, which is where Lee convinces Rosalind she needs to go through an election uh, campaign at the end of her term. Okay. And then I guess what would that be? E, uh, where Callie gets shot by the prisoners. Boosh. I think... I think that's it. I think that's going to happen. Nice. Because I can't I can't imagine Starbuck not being a good shot with a gun too. Come on. <laughs> Got to be there. You don't think time maintains his sobriety next week? I you know that Or you was, do, but you don't believe the second half maybe? Maybe not. That sounded know. that sounded very plausible to me. I was like, shit, that that sounds that sounds like it could be a good scene too. I like that. And then what's the third one here? Rosalind's found unconscious by Gaius and learns of her cancer from Billy. Yeah, that's another tough one. These are all good. These are damn good. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with my, my C and E. So you got C and E. There we awesome. are. Cool, brother. Excellent. I don't have any bonus ones because that was tough to come up with all those, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> all right all right there we have it let's get to a couple of final things here that i want to discuss with you before we bid these good people adieu sure you started with a b plus so where are you ending i think maybe maybe on a reevaluation, uh an a minus i still think 33 is honestly my favorite episode of it so far the miniseries was great i mean all of these have been good this has been super strong whole way through so far uh, but the last episode was my my favorite. I think just the concept, the execution of the premise was so original and so shocking and just amazing uh, that this was just naturally and, – and this is also – this is the way TV shows go. We have a ratcheting up episode and we have one that kind of ratchets down a little bit. And this is just definitely a less intense episode. And that's not a bad thing. It's just different. But the intensity of the last episode just had me sucked up. That is an A+. plus. This is an A-. minus. Uh, still, still a good one. Still you damn upgraded good it pretty high. Thirty three is damn good. Yeah, thirty three is damn good. <laughs> oh yeah, damn good. But yeah, this is just a it's a quieter episode, and I like that it's actually like I was saying. You know, this is Grace Park's episode. This is very heavily focused on her, and I think that's a good thing. Really, you know, we've had I think the most singularly focused people we've had so far have been Gaius and her. You know, I think episodes have kind of hovered on them a little more than they have other people. You know, everybody gets a lot of screen time, mm. but we're seeing those kind of internal things playing out, especially with Gaius and her now. 
because those are the only people, and I guess she's kind of involved chief as well, but this is, those are the only characters with a lot of secret turmoil going on that nobody else knows about. Uh, so we're kind of getting to explore their inner, you know, problems. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Gaius was outside of the card game, pretty quiet in this one. But, um, do you, do you think Hilo's ever going to get off Caprica? I think if he does, like I was saying, I think if he does, it is going to still be a part of the Cylon operation. Uh, it'll be them, yeah, technically pulling him off the planet, but on board a fake colonial ship, which is actually theirs. Right. Otherwise, I don't think he's getting off the planet at all. Gotcha. I think that's a, that's a done and done. And then finally, just give me a where you're at mentally with this series so far. Ooh, where I'm at so far. Strong. I mean, um, like I said, I'm really enjoying it. I, I think it's going to start if, – if this episode is any example, I think we're going to get more like this that are quieter, more, I guess, psychological battles. And it's kind of like how is it playing out politically across everyone? Like what is the philosophical stance we need to take as leaders in these situations? I think that's going to start happening a lot more, which is which I'm totally fine with. I think this is – you know we're seeing that, that dynamic start to play out with Adama and Roslyn together – and I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes. I'm curious to see how they're going to influence each other um, and how, you know, is Roslyn going to let the military start having a lot more control of things just because they are the big, you know, powerful bulk of resources? And sure. Is that the way things are going to go? And I'm still, even though we, this is probably the least we have seen of six in any episode. She's barely in this one. Um, but I'm still, you know, all hung up on that mystery of mm-hmm. what the hell is going on with her. Um, but yeah, overall strong direction. I like where it's still going. I'm still wondering if, if earth is going to be brought back up as a topic again, is that still going to be something that propels them forward? Or is that going to kind of fade into the background? You know, are we going toward earth? Is that really and truly our mission? Or is that just, ah, we're just trying to get away from the silence. It doesn't matter where we're going. All those are my questions. Kinds of moving parts, my friend. Oh yes. Well, I had a blast. I enjoyed water. I loved Boomer's shenanigans in this episode. <laughs> the the terror of waking up and not knowing where you are, what you've done. It's you a great know start. about the circulation of the rumors that are going around about Cylon sleeper agents. Oh. You have to start to be concerned with yourself you got to wonder what the hell's going on with her and how that is going to shape up. And boy, it's good stuff. Lots <laughs> of uh, things have been laid out and uh, it's going to be a blast talking to you about it, man. Hell yeah. All right. Well, until well, next time. Until next time, we are going to get out of here. It was a pleasure, Matthew. We will see you out there in the wide, wide universe. Wide, wide universe.